0: This is the Langpreneur Podcast, where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der A. Hey everybody, it's Jan here. Welcome to the Langpreneur Podcast. How are you doing today? Um, going pretty good here, quite busy actually, um, only two weeks ago we, uh, we, we ran our online workshop Langpreneur Business Breakthrough and we actually turned that into a course so we've been wor- working really hard on that, um, also have had a few really interesting interviews here for the podcast which we will be publishing over the next few weeks but there is a lot of good stuff coming up so let's talk about what we're going to do today. Today's guest on the podcast is Silver Ilves. Silver is originally from Estonia and he's the co-founder of the language learning app Magic Lingua. He has a background in economics and IT. He also has worked for several dating websites actually as well as for one of the biggest language learning companies in the world, Rosetta Stone. So in this interview today, you're going to learn how AI and upcoming technology will impact the industry, the language learning industry, of course. What some of the opportunities are for us as langpreneurs, what the biggest challenges are when it comes to building a language app. And, you know, also the future of language teachers, like language teachers are still going to be needed when AI gets to you know, a really advanced level. We're also going to talk about validating your product idea. But before we start with this interview, it's time to say thank you to our sponsor. So you want to create your own successful online language business. Or maybe you already have one, but you're missing the traction. Well, then I highly recommend you to join our brand new course, Langpreneur Business Breakthrough. Now in this course that I created with Oli, you're going to learn a lot about growing an online language business. Things you're going to learn, for example, the perfect business model for you, the three questions to answer to avoid failure with a new business, why your existing products aren't selling, and what to do about it. But also think about things like email strategies that will uh, help you generate sales within seven days. How to easily sell your products or services without being salesy. All that kind of stuff. Now, the feedback that we have received from the students so far has been amazing, and you know, I actually don't think that I've ever seen such positive feedback after any course launch. Really. So. If you want to learn more about this course and about what other students say about our course, go to langpreneur.com forward slash LBB. And if you sign up now, you will get a 30 minute one-on-one consulting call with me entirely for free so that we can identify how we can take your business to the next level and start implementing straight away. So again, go to langpreneur.com slash LBB, langpreneur.com slash LBB. Okay, welcome back to the show. Now, let's move on. Here is my interview with Silver Ilves. Enjoy. Hey, Silver. Welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself and tell us how you got involved in entrepreneurship and languages.
1: Hey, Jan. Um, Yeah, first of all, thanks for inviting. So, my name is Silver. I'm the co-founder of Magic Lingua, And we are offering online language learning courses that were designed for the tongue and not for the thumb.
0: Mm-hmm, I see, and yeah, how did you get involved in entrepreneurship, languages, um, also a programmer, right? Tell us a little bit about the background.
1: Yeah, so my language background is that um, I'm born in Estonia, so it's a basically a country, With one and a half million people, out of which maybe one million speaks Estonian. So it's pretty early. It became pretty clear that I have to learn other languages in order to communicate with the world. Right, So everybody in Estonia learns pretty fast English. And then um, other languages, I moved later to Germany as I was um, around 15. I had to learn again another language. Um, I couldn't speak almost anything as I arrived in Germany. I went to school, so I learned pretty fast uh, Spanish as well, Spanish-English. I had to learn some Russian back in Estonia. And then later, when traveling around in Spain, um, I was traveling in, in a van and living quite a while there. I started to learn Spanish, and then I lived some time in Marseille, in, in France. I started to learn French. So, I'm really, really into into languages. First, I had to. Then, then I really <laughs> was enjoying uh, doing that. And the the other side, um, apart from the languages, more the tech side is I, I studied, um, what it's called like uh, information systems. So basically, I'm half. I consider myself uh, half nerd, half snob. So it was like a. Uh, studies of economics and and uh, informatics. That's that's my background.
0: I see Can you give a few examples of like projects or companies you've worked for in the past in the language learning industry?
1: Um, yeah, so first of all first I didn't start in, in language learning industry. I was uh, Working for apps and and online businesses um, One of the longest one I was actually working in a dating industry also very very uh, Interesting uh, industry, many parallels also to, to language learning. And then later on, I, I started doing um, freelance projects, working on my own, uh, doing my own business. And then I worked as a contractor for Rosetta Stone, one of the biggest language learning um, companies
0: yeah so what would you consider yourself as an app developer or programmer or how, how can we call it like can, can we give the label
1: <laughs> it's, uh, most of the time I work as a product manager so I, I can code to some extent but I would be horrible at it so I, I don't I don't code much I can fix something like when, when it's like super obvious like uh, quickly. But I'm I'm not coding. I'm more. I develop my more um, myself more to the to the products and and the marketing side.
0: Mm, okay. Um, yeah, you're very passionate about AI. Like a few years ago, I attended your talk. At, was at the Polyglot Gathering in Bratislava, yeah. Yeah. and the topic was. <laughs> well, I don't remember exactly, but I had to do something with AI. Why are you so
1: obsessed about
0: AI? It's not
1: about it's, it's not about the AI. Particularly itself, it's just the technologies that uh, come up now, and, and especially in in language learning. So I started actually, to be honest, I started on a on a different product with MagicLingo first. Uh, it was a vocabulary trainer, and we we built uh, this product and we licensed it to Langside, which is a big uh, language company in Germany, and to some others. And and we were doing quite well, but like in terms of retention and really like the user numbers we were not doing well <laughs> we were selling it good but it was not and then we tried to figure out like what is the issue you know what is what is what the users really want and at some point we were just um, you know leaving the office leaving everything on a table and we camped outside of the language schools and just uh, you know we called them before and asked like hey my 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 wife has a course today when 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 is it going to end i have to pick her up Know, and then we were just waiting outside because we knew when the courses end, and asking everybody, like really bribing them with some sweets and then whatever, you know, so they will give us interviews. And one thing we we really noticed uh, while doing that is uh, one of the biggest problems that uh, people have is actually getting enough speaking practice. That's that's also main reason why people go to to language schools. But you know, there's also some some uh, drawbacks in terms of flexibility and pricing. So we started to look into like, hey. Is there a way to actually solve it, like uh, with tech? And this is this is where everything started with the product we have now, <clears throat> because we realized that um, um, much of the tasks that actually teachers are doing in a school they don't even enjoy doing. We were also in, uh, interviewing a lot of teachers. Uh, much of them are, are repetitive tasks, like um, telling again and again, like uh, how to build, I don't know, like a sentence structure or something like this, you know. And what they really enjoy doing is, is more the coaching part. So we decided actually to solve some of the parts uh, by technology. And uh, one of the core technologies we use is, is voice recognition. And there is where the AI comes in. Um, it's just like how the voices are recognized. The the mechanism behind that, the machine learning. Um, yeah, It's labeled as AI, AI. I don't even like the, the, the term anymore because it's, it's kind of like... Um, yeah, a buzzword by
0: now. Um. I guess one of the questions that we're trying to answer here in this interview, also for, uh, for all our listeners, is um, are language teachers gonna be unnecessary in the future? Is AI really gonna take everything over? Um, maybe the first question, um, in order to answer that question, is has AI already been used in language software or apps? And can you maybe give a few examples?
1: Yeah, definitely it is. Um, I'm not sure when the teachers will disappear. It's, it's hard to predict or, um, when it, when it will happen, but definitely the, the role will change and, uh, it changes already now. Um, if you look at the market numbers, I mean, there are different estimates, but it's estimated somewhere around 60 billion, the language learning markets uh, in total worldwide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, Roughly 10% out of it today is the is online is a digital language learning part, which means that still the biggest chunk, like a still huge chunk, is is offline. But if you look at the online online part, then you will see that it grows per year like somewhere around 20%, 30%. Depends on estimation, uh, and it accelerates like from the past 10 years, and that's accelerated. So this alone shows that um, the market has a, has a big shift. So the people are already deciding themselves not to go for offline solutions, not to go for the schools, but pay money actually online and then uh, learn with solutions online. And uh, in terms of AI, I mean, it it depends, like, what you consider AI, Uh, but um, there are some some cool startups and cool solutions uh, that try to – I mean, the goal is the same. They somehow try to offer the best learning experience which comes down to then um, to some part imitating actually what, what's right now the best uh, uh, solutions to the humans, you know, trying to, to imitate kind of like a learning flow or, or a human teacher. I mean, if you had the choice, uh, Jan, uh, Jan, like, if you learn a new language, let's say Greek, and money is no option, what would you do? You most likely will hire a private teacher. Right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Somebody who comes, uh, you know, you click in an app like uh, on a button, and then five minutes later he arrives, and then does a lesson of twenty minutes, and you are tired, and you just send it her off, and she comes back when you call again. You know
0: exactly.
1: Yeah, and and this is this is eventually where we really wanna wanna get. I guess the technology you wanna get uh, once you get, and then right now it's. It's a lot about solving like parts of the problems. Um, the hottest topic right now is really is voice recognition because it's a huge, huge issue for many language learners.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first of all, for the listeners, pay attention to those numbers that Silva just mentioned there. So what was it like six billion? As, was 60, it 60? 60,
1: 60 billion. Yeah,
0: so so far, <laughs> like these days, people are f- spending 60 billion per year on language lo- learning solutions. And the uh, the part that actually goes to software or digital products um, is growing by what do you say like thirty thirty percent every year more or less. So that's a huge opportunity. for thirty. thirteen. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge opportunity for us, right? We are not a language school. I mean, <laughs> most of the listeners yeah. are not. Like we are course creators. Um, most of us create digital courses. And uh, yeah, there's a huge opportunity there because more more and more people start seeing the value of enrolling in digital courses. So, well, that's a good thing if you have a digital course there. Um, Yeah, AI, um, how how does it work? How does it work exactly? Like how can a machine learn? I know this is one of the chapters that you, or one of the uh, things that you talked about in your presentation in, in Bratislava. How does it work exactly?
1: Yeah, so for the for the voice recognition, it's basically it's a pattern recognition. So the first first technologies that tried, what 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 people try to do is to uh, understand what is the sound A and what is the sound B. But this is not not how the machine learning algorithms work today. So essentially, you what you do is you get a lot of audio. This is how Google, for example, uh, trains their models. Is that they pay people to read books out loud. Yeah, so um, I will take a book, if I will train to Estonian, I don't think they have Estonian speech recognition, so I will read the book and they will sync it and then they will tell the machine like the words, I don't know, Apple, you know, it was said at this moment and maybe later in the book I will say it again and they feed in like hours, thousands of hours of, of this material and they the machine like, find the patterns, find how, how Apple sounds and then um, there are some additional layers, uh, of course, as well. So they look at uh, basically like probabilities of words being next to each other. So um, sometimes you are not very sure, like if it was now maybe apple or, or like maple or something else, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. what was said. And then to determine that, you will look at the words before and after uh, to see like what is the highest probability, what is the probability. Of the sentences and the voice recognition technology today um, they say like just from 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 let's say if i will read out loud the book to you and i will read it to a machine the machine will have a recognition rate of around uh, i don't know the exact number it's around 69 96 uh, percent and the human has somewhere around 95 so they have surpassed actually the the human uh human uh recognition rate however uh, where the machine is really really bad is the context so um if i will say let's say um jan let's let's have a call on uh, today you know and the machine is unsure if i now say it today or tuesday then for you as a human it's super easy to understand you know we are calling right now we are not having another call today so probably i i meant tuesday but yeah. the machine will not understand that yeah it lacks the context. Yeah. So this is something that's that they work on now and then will become uh, will improve the system like the, the recognition in the future a lot.
0: So theoretically machines will also become better at understanding the context than human beings. It's just a matter of feeding the, the system with more information.
1: Yeah, but that's that's super difficult. That's why why still voice recognition is, is considered kind of thumb in, in many situations, because it doesn't really know it doesn't really know what what you're what you're saying, but it's cool. But it's cool in like in, in terms of language learning solutions. Uh, talking about language learning and, and uh, voice recognition is, if you're talking to Alexa and you will say Alexa and Alexa starts to listen, then and what you might say now is like completely random. You might ask like what's the what's the time? You might ask like or you might say like um, I don't know, make me an appointment for something or set me a reminder. But if we build language learning solutions, then we, we can actually control what we make the user say. And the solution space, if we ask like what's your favorite color, there is not anymore an endless amount of possibilities to you answer the question, especially when we give you a an hint and, and say like you should say blue or something and now build a sentence. Which essentially means for us that um we are able to train our own models that become much more um, precise solving those, those issues in, in language learning software in particular. Mm-hmm.
0: So is there an opportunity as well for language apps? Because the language apps or software in general, they get a lot of input, right? Especially um, if it also includes um, practicing your speaking skills. Is is there an opportunity there? Like, is there like data that you can collect and then either use to develop your own app or or sell, or what, what what's happening in the world of uh, language apps and how can they use contributing to building an AI in um, yeah as an opportunity?
1: Yeah, I think the um, the best thing you can do with the data is actually to improve your models. So. Um, Of course, you will need to make it privacy compliant and everything. But essentially, what you can do is you can just, uh, again, take humans and and let them listen to the recordings and transcribe them. And when you do that uh, enough, then you're also able to understand uh, dialects and accents. So imagine a Chinese uh, person speaking French, you know. I don't know if you have, have tried to use uh, Alexa on, on English or, or like something of your not native language. I mean, we speak pretty well English, right? But still, if I'm using it, I'm, I, I see a clear difference, like in a recognition rate, when I will do it in, let's say, in German, you know. And, and imagine now somebody learning a language and don't speak it yet and, and trying to say things, you know. And, but you can train that um i'm sure that uh, google and all the big guys will eventually try to train those things as well like how an indian accent in english or like all these kind of combinations but since you have the the people in your app you have the data uh, you're able to actually um yeah train the models and, and and at least for a moment even have better models than than big corporations
0: yeah what are the
1: use cases yeah.
0: yeah do you really think that Well, first of all, do you really think that uh, language teachers are going to become necessary at a certain stage? And how long is it going to take, you know, to get to the point where where I can actually have uh, a language lesson with with an AI or a robot or software or whatever you want to call it? Um, Are we talking about like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years or, or even more than that? Because these things develop faster and faster. What's, what's your own vision on, on this? I don't,
1: I don't think they, they will disappear in 10 years. Certainly not. They will, but the role the role might change. So I think that many parts of what they do will be, will move to online and they will be automated to some, some extent, but still the systems are kind of, yeah, dumb. I mean, voice recognition and these problems will be solved, but the context problem is it's really, really difficult. and. I think there will be still humans to, to teachers to motivate you to answer like some super special, tricky questions, give you tips and hints, because also everybody's different, right? So if you, if you, you know yourself, like what's the best method for you might be not a good method for others. Yeah. Steve Kaufman says like, he doesn't speak at all at the beginning. He starts to read. And there's uh, this Benny Lewis who will say like, I don't need to read anything. I will just start speaking, you know, as soon as I know three words in a new language. And um, I think you still need uh, humans to, to understand those things and and, and help. But I just want to uh, throw in a fact, uh, something I am... Um, like, one of the biggest language learning companies value it right now is iTutor Group. It's a Chinese company. iTutor Group. iTutor Group, yeah. I don't know their actual valuation, but the last time I, I heard about them, it was like around three billions. Uh, is the company worth. And all they do is they... Um, they do tutoring sessions for English in China. That's everything they do. It's, it's basically like a huge iTalki for Chinese people teaching English for and it's, Chinese so,
0: people teaching English to other yeah, Chinese people. Learning
1: English yeah. or learning English. English. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's the it's the most valued language learning company right now that exists out there. And I was talking to one of uh, yeah one of the guys who was working for the company, and he was like really on a on a high senior level. Um, so he had a really, really good insight. He, he changed the company; It's not another company, and he was saying like it's, it's not a question like uh, if it's a question about when and how they will actually replace those uh, human tutors by machines. Yeah. So, and, and I'm pretty sure they are they are working on 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 ideas and then solutions as well. Maybe it's not about like I don't know how many they have like they, I think tens on thousands of tutors they have. You know, and I, I don't think they will disappear in ten years and all of them are gone. But maybe they will do just the half of the work and the half of it is, is done automatically. And of course it's a huge cost saving um, for them, which, which creates a huge business opportunity.
0: So do you think that like so why do you think this this company is, is valued at three billion? Is it based on the existing model? Or is it also you think it also has to do with like your future vision of not Needing to pay teachers anymore, and then the value will go up even even
1: more (laughs) The values are always magic. So it's it's uh, Basically what you believe the company will be worth in the future. Of course, it's it's some it's some mix of of the revenues They have and some some fantasy uh, They believe in But I, I what I I don't know the numbers exactly for them, but I believe they are really huge They are making already like tons and tons of revenue. So I'm I'm not surprised that uh, they are valued as that, whereas you look at companies like Duolingo, uh, super smart guys for sure. They have good ideas, um, but I don't think they are anywhere near uh, the, the revenues that Tutor Group does. And they are almost as well. Like uh, I think they are almost unicorn valued, like almost at a billion or something. I I don't know the latest numbers, and not too into. Uh,
0: I guess like a language teacher has different functions, right? Like one of one of the functions is. providing information teaching stuff and that's maybe something that AI could eventually also do recognize what you say you know these kind of things and then of course you know as you also mentioned you know there's like this motivational this motivation that a real person gives like this personal commitment if you know that you have if you scheduled a lesson with the teacher at eight o'clock you're going to show up because you have this personal commitment and with um you know this accountability thing and with ai you you might not have that so yeah i can see that the role of having a language teacher or maybe a coach you know maybe it's just going to be a shift for you know people who are teachers now they maybe become more um coaches what, what, what's your vision on this
1: i think we're already seeing it yeah look at people like you interviewed before uh, lydia i don't think Many people like Lydia existed like ten years ago. Like really, language coaches—they were just teachers. Either you were teaching or you were not, you know. And and but at the same time, not in not only in languages, like uh, as well in in fitness, um, there are people not right, really like doing the exercises together with you, but coaching, like giving you tips how to you know for for. Nutrition and and then training plans and all this kind of stuff. So so you will see in many many areas actually how we move um, Yeah, those kind of coaches and, and life coaches, and I think I think it's It's an it's just not a trend that happens right now, but it, it will it will continue like this and especially in the language area as well
0: mm-hmm. Now you've well you've experienced with AI, but you have also experienced building software and apps um, now, there's many listeners here that have a platform, they have a blog or a podcast, they have a following, and they think, hey, having an app that would be really cool. Who would you recommend to build their own app? Like, how realistic is it to, to build an app? Is it expensive? I guess this depends on many factors, but like, who would you recommend to develop their own app, and how realistic is it to, to really do it?
1: it's difficult to say i mean everything is possible so even if you are not a programmer yourself you can find people who are passionate about what you what you want to do and they might join you because i'm i'm not coding the thing myself i also found people who 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 saw the same vision and, and, and were willing to work on it. Because if you start working on it, you're not instantly making money. And it's, it's actually the most difficult part at the end is not building the app or having the idea. Ideas I think are worth nothing. Uh, it's about how are you able to, to get it to the market and then sell it. Uh, I think it's, that's actually the first thing to think about um, I know everybody's is super uh, excited about the product and hey, I have this cool idea and I want to do that. Uh, we all are like this. <laughs> but I think that the most the hardest part actually even though the market is is growing so so much is is selling it, yeah. Yeah. And as well from your interviews with with Johan or other people, like it took years until they actually started uh, a way able to monetize it and live off it. You uh, know, it's, it's, this one is really the hard part.
0: Well, I think that's a very important point that you mentioned there, because I talk to a lot of you know langpreneurs, but also people who uh, who are not necessarily in our industry and who want to who either have an app or they have like a beta version of the app, and you know they come to me and they say, Jan, do you have any ideas on on how to sell it? You know, and it's actually very difficult because I don't have a good answer to that question. I do not really know how to launch an app or I've never really done that. So actually in the past, we were also thinking of about developing, uh, developing uh, an app, uh, spend a month in India, you know, visiting all these companies. But then in the end, I came to the conclusion that even if this company is going to be able to to build it, then how am, I, how am I gonna sell it, right? And I know that lots of these app developers, they reach out to influencers, people with a YouTube channel, and also at Language boost. every day we, we, we receive emails from people with a uh, revolutionary app, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, something new is gonna change the whole industry, and they're actually asking us, to um, to promote it so i think that's definitely a very good point there i did indeed have um, like people like johan on the on the podcast uh, the guy from français authentique and he has his own app as well but he already had big had a big audience before he launched that app so then it's um, easier i guess well um so, yeah, my next question is You've also built an app yourself, um, Magic Lingua. Do you have a few tips for people who have an app or either want to build an app on, on how to promote it? Like, how can you do it? Do you have to reach out to other influencers? Uh, do you run Facebook ads? Do you do all these things? Yeah, can you share a few of the tips for people? That's,
1: with an app? that's super individual. So, it really depends on. It's not an easy question to answer. What I can say is that if you if you create an app and you put it out to the app store, and then you sit in front of the computer and hitting refresh, looking at the numbers to come in, there will be no numbers. Nothing will happen. Like nobody will ever notice your app. There are already so many apps out there that in the day you launch it, and if you don't do anything else, absolutely nothing will happen. So you need to do something else. You know, and now it depends on what is your what is your take. You know, is there something? Um, about your product or in case of Johan you already have an audience then of course you have to you monetize the audience and, and you have your channels if you don't then it depends on um, exactly what you do yeah? so there is an uh, I forgot the name now Another I, I met the guys in London they basically do like um, learning languages by, by singing songs and they made, they made a, a cooperation with music labels so they have the music labels that helped you promote their app mm-hmm. and i don't know exactly their deal or whatever i think they even invested like some some money into them so this this is their channel you know um we work together with with influencers so the courses that we have the speaking courses
0: mm-hmm.
1: because i'm not a teacher and i'm really not into teaching <laughs> so we said like hey who can do it the best and we, we created the courses together, like in case of German, for example, with uh, learning German with Anya. It's uh, one of the biggest YouTube channels for, I think it's the biggest YouTube channel for learning German. Um, she knows the best how to do it, you know, and then you, you, um, you cooperate with those uh, people. Yeah? For the Spanish, we did with a the, with the school in Barcelona, a huge school, a huge audience, and then you go from there and then build up the channels. What's difficult is um, what I can say as well as what many people think is like, okay, I have this app and then I put up some adverts and some Facebook ads. Uh, Super difficult. uh, Although the market is is growing, it's still difficult to win the performance marketing game because there are already companies out there like Rosetta Stone who have huge budgets, uh, Bubble and then all these others who are heavily investing in paid marketing. So the best would be to probably find some kind of um, yeah unpaid channel first. It could be webinars. Uh, I mean, you have to experiment. Yeah, what might work?
0: Yeah, but it's definitely an important, um, definitely important to know that you really need to think about how you're going to distribute your app before actually starting to develop it, right? Because there's too many people out there who start with an app, best idea in the world. And then they don't have the uh, they don't have the distribution they don't have the channels to actually promote it and then yeah I guess how you do that yeah as you said depends on what are your strengths right maybe look around look for strategic partners to do strategic partnerships with um, yeah you can run ads but if you said it's very difficult I think yeah there is there might not be um, a definite answer to this uh, question you also did a Kickstarter campaign right there's also apps out there that do crowdfunding what would you say about about that could that be a good strategy or
1: yeah definitely i mean kickstarter is uh, like out of all the categories you have on, on crowdfunding platform as, uh, as kickstarter the worst performing category is apps it's really performing really bad <laughs> yeah so everybody saying uh, was telling us don't do it don't do it nobody will will buy it. we did it anyways um we Sold I think, in like at the end, worth of seventy thousand dollars or something uh courses pre sold which is great because we sold them at the moment they didn't even exist yet and so we had some some time and we were like uh, honest and open about the people when when they will come and um we had some some time, but we already had some money to to accelerate this thing yeah? so Kickstarter definitely can be um a channel as well to get some some initial boost and some some initial sales and and, and uh, exposure, but this one as well you need to you need to see it as a marketing project. So we didn't just put it up and and we're waiting. Um, we were investing quite money as well uh, in the preparation actually, you know, to to generate leads and then to make some buzz and and, and it's already a big list of people that uh, were interested in what we are doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are basically two ways to build a business. Number one is you, you build an audience first and then you sell them something, maybe an app, maybe a digital course, maybe something else. And then you can also, you know, there's also lengtheners out there who first come with a product and then build an audience around that product, but it's yeah, there's there's another strategy there, right? Because you really need to think about okay, how I'm you must be really good at promoting. Maybe you have a network of influencers around you, or other strategic partners. So yeah, I think you know for the listeners, it's just very important to actually take into account that if you want to develop your product first, you really need to think about ways how you're going to promote your product i think that's the main lesson from
1: um... yeah that's that's a good point yeah that's a super good point and and but even if you if you decide uh, working like on a product and then think about and you have an ideas how you will promote it while you're developing the product you already need to start building the audience because and, and it's essential because otherwise you run a risk of building uh, something wrong and uh, I guess everybody of us, it's super natural to think like, hey, I'm, I'm super sure I have this problem, I have seen others have this problem, it will solve the problem, it will be fine, but at the end, it might not be the best solution that you find actually for the problem. So while doing it, it's advisable already, start trying to build the audience with the value proposition you're offering, and, and the, the product you have in mind. Uh, fake it until you make it <laughs> and then um, try to gather the audience and if it's difficult to gather the audience for, for the idea then you might be working on something wrong you know? or you might have not found the right way to, to position it or, or sell it.
0: Yeah I guess another important thing to take into account here when you build an app or software or actually any digital course is that you actually in, indeed build an audience from the beginning also for the reason that you can get feedback from the very beginning right so Super that
1: important. you're not
0: building the wrong thing that you actually talk to your customers know what they like what they don't like and then maybe change the, the concept of your app while you're building it have you experienced that yourself as well like the, the benefits yeah definitely of the Yeah, yeah.
1: we started working on a wrong product first <laughs> the vocabulary trainer I mean it was solving a problem but the problem was uh, it was not a big pain enough you know i mean many people use those vocabulary trainers like anki or and, and we were thinking like hey we build anki on steroids you know but the the problem is not as strong as like really hey if if you want to start speaking a language you need to start speaking it you know i i like finding the the conversation practice so we did actually pivot and and then changed the product quite a lot and we did it first when we really uh, closed our laptops and then closed the door of the office and went out and then we're like, I think for weeks we were doing nothing else than just speaking to people and taking All on the streets. And streets. Hmm? in the streets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, that's At the, the best way to do it. Right. One on one. Yeah. We were, we were really like, uh, <laughs> I guess getting like an annoying flies flying around the schools and then, and, and, uh, but not only schools, like also, um, did like a lot of online service and, and try to catch all the people that don't go to schools actually and, and try to figure out why don't they do it and, and, and what is really their biggest problem. Yeah.
0: Let's talk a little bit about pricing because, um, well, language courses, you can, easily, you can easily sell digital language courses for I don't know for like 50, 100, 200, 300. I've even seen some entrepreneurs who are selling digital courses or programs for thousand um, dollars. But apps are most of the time much cheaper. Can apps really be that profitable? What would you say about that? Like, what's the maximum that you can charge for an app per, per month? Or, yeah, what, what do you think about profi- um, profitability? of
1: apps? I, I think it, it again depends a lot on, on your positioning. So, if you say it's just like an, uh, an app. Uh, just, just another language learning app. Then it's pretty difficult. Yeah, I mean there, there are successful companies on both end of ranges. If you look at at uh, let's say Rosetta Stone and Bubble, yeah, the the numbers, the average cards that you are very different. So Bubble is way, way lower than than Rosetta, but uh, they are super successful. Yeah, they just have the mass and they have found good uh, acquisition channels that are that are cheap. So. Um, it works both, and Rosetta as well. They they sell lifetime uh, subscriptions of of several hundred uh, dollars in the app, and it works as well. You know, it works pretty well, and <clears throat> so it can be both. What I what I personally think is, yeah, it's it's a bit more difficult to sell an app. That's why we um, try to position ourselves like not, hey, this is an, an an app we are selling, but this is like a a speaking a conversational course. You know. And uh, highlight the value actually the users get out of it. So we have this this videos uh, about every grammar topic. Like in each course we have more than three hundred videos where somebody actually explains you how to use those things. And then there are thousands of sentences you will speak yourself. And and those are the things that that people will hear and think ah there is value in it. And and I know it because I have, I have done Duolingo and and I. Was just uh, using my thumb and clicking around you know uh, pictures and then and, and thing and I didn't have it inside mm-hmm. so um, I think it's possible if you if you really um, if you if you work out the value proposition well and you can you can uh, make it clear to the customer
0: mm-hmm. do you maybe have a few tips for Langpreneurs who don't want to miss out on the opportunity of AI
1: my yeah, my tip would actually be not to focus on technologies but on problems. So the AI is not a is not a goal itself. It's it's used to solve a specific problem. So if you see a problem and there is a solution uh, that utilizes utilizes some kind of AI, to build or to offer a better solution that is out there, then you can do it. But it's it's not it's not a goal itself to use fancy technology. Yeah. Uh, just this morning I was talking to to Anya, and uh, she uh, has some, some courses and sells, yeah, basically the, the course, concept, the big part of the course is a PDF, PDF files, yeah. Like no technology at all and it sells really well because the value proposition she is offering and the way she sells it is like really good and, and the people will see it and say, yeah, this is what I want to have. This, this is not really about the technology.
0: <laughs> well, that's a really important uh really important thing there and what about language teachers should they be worried that technology is going to take take away their jobs and what are some of the opportunities that they are getting because
1: of all this technology i don't know ask, ask language teachers <laughs> I, i'm not sure as i said i don't think it, it changes like like super fast in the in the next years so if you are a bit flexible and will see the trends that will happening and you can adapt yourself to it then there are also a lot of opportunities huh?
0: yeah exactly because well let's you know brainstorm a little bit <laughs> about the opportunity so for example uh, well what i was thinking is um, you know let's say there is a platform in the world where you can have language lessons for free you know with with an ai or with a robot then you could also facilitate for example a challenge you know and once people join your challenge they're gonna practice with that ai so you rather of Positioning yourself as a language teacher you become more a coach or the facilitator of a program because people are always going to look for um, For human beings to work with right have fellow students Accountability to have like this sense of community and that's not really something that an AI can do as far as I understand
1: absolutely, absolutely, also trust It's it's easier to trust the human being looking into your eyes and say like listen Jan, here's the plan Yeah, you want to learn Estonian? Let's start with this one, this one, yeah. In the first week we will do this and then after a month we do that and then uh, after whatever time, you know, this is the plan. It's much easier to trust something like this than, than um, yeah, and, and cold website.
0: Yeah, do you also have a few tips for people who have a following and they're thinking about developing an app? What are some of the things that they should take into account before starting the whole project?
1: One thing I will do is actually before develop, if I already have an audience, I will try to figure out how can I test what I'm going to build. So it depends like what is your idea for the app, but usually uh, it can be like super hacky and super ugly, but there are some ways to test your idea without actually building the app, yes.
0: Last year you, you spoke at uh, our Language Influencer Summit in, in Berlin and the topic of your talk was qu- how to quickly validate a business, a business idea, I think it was, right, or a product idea. So what were some of the, uh, the takeaways from that talk? What are some of the things that you can do to quickly validate if your app or the idea for your app is actually uh, yeah, feasible or not?
1: So what I, what I think makes almost always sense is to test the value proposition first. Not talking about features, but uh, I don't know what is your idea. Let's say you have this following and you have this idea of, of, um, of uh, creating an app, uh, for example to learn languages by by reading poems or something I don't know, singing yeah? so one good idea would be to check if it's something that people really understand and would like to do yeah? and this one you can test with your audience if you already have audience, perfect, it's super easy to set up a quick landing page, yeah? fake it until you make it do as if you have the product envision the product you want to have Yeah. how would it look like when you start selling it and have like a pre-sale button or like uh, register now to get like uh, whatever, you know. And, um, and try to and test it if, if people really, really want it and, and c- gather some feedback uh, and see how you can improve it, how you can work out the idea first before starting, uh, even starting to build it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is basically to first sell it and then develop it. First sell, prove that there is actually a demand for what you are developing and only develop it then later.
1: Yeah, talking to customers a lot and trying to figure out what you could sell them. I think it's uh, that's the first thing I would always try to do. Yeah, My, my, my favorite example is, a, is an app, it's not a language learning app, um, is a fitness app called Freeletics. Um, huge, huge app, uh, millions of users worldwide. And the first product was a PDF. So you were paying some money in order then to send you a PDF every Monday to your inbox via email. I mean, it sounds completely stupid, but this is how they started and and they they figured out what the people were wanting first yeah they were they were focusing on this motivation part heavily, so they were uh, motivating the people and giving them the right exercises and once they figured hey this is this is what actually the people really want to have, they built that first uh, then uh, then yeah. After
0: that, yeah, that was, a, that was a very good example. So basically, people don't want the drill, they want a the hole in their wall, right? So, sell first, <laughs> yeah, you, you sell the hole in the wall, and then actually, the drill, the, the technology in this case, the app is, is just a tool to, exactly. to get the job done. So, yeah, maybe you know, I've been asking you a few times what should people think who want to build an app, but maybe the first question should be, do your, does your audience really need an app? Because most of the challenges. Most of your customers' pain points can be solved without an app. Maybe that's the big conclusion of of this interview today. What do you think? Anything to add to that? Anything else that you want to share about the world of technology and language learning?
1: Yeah, just a small addition maybe. Um, We talked a lot about the apps. Um, We are thinking about it, and I I think... uh, somebody wanting to build a technological solution should also think about, not just about apps for smartphones, but whatever other uh, technologies and interfaces we have, yeah? It uh, might be as well um, Alexa, Amazon Alexa, it might be Google Assistant, there might be other platforms um, where you might have, let's say, a better chance as well at the beginning because they're not so crowded yet. Yeah, As I said, like, Uploading an app will result in nothing because there are already hundreds and hundreds of apps. But going to a platform where there is not much um, much competition yet might be a small advantage. Yeah. Not saying you have to do that, but. Uh,
0: and what could be an example of this? Amazon Alexa.
1: Amazon Alexa. Yeah, I haven't seen yet. I have tried like every now and then. I, I try a few few apps and I like skills and I check out what they what they have to offer. But I haven't found anything yet really that I think like hey that's so cool yeah so I I think there is still a big hole in the wall (laughs) in the app store uh, like for good solutions uh, that people might just do while they are uh, doing their dishes or or cooking in the kitchen uh.
0: yeah great well Silver, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, spreading all your wisdom with our listeners here so yeah if you want to build an app first ask yourself the question do you really need it what are the real pain points what are the real solutions that you could offer and uh, yeah maybe an app can be a suitable tool but maybe it's uh, something else and uh, yeah if you want to know anything else or if you want to know more about silver the project was the projects what he is working on silver how can people find you
1: Uh, you can find our project on magiclingua.com yeah we have some some free stuff you can you can try out before buying a course there's also some some Yeah, free free. uh, This We are giving out uh, some some conversational uh, stuff to learn, um, PDFs and so on. Yeah, and um, if you want to write me personally, I guess you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I guess that would be the the easiest. Or Facebook as well. Yeah, sure. uh, Yeah, drop me a line. (laughs) I will include (laughs) all
0: the links in the show notes and in the article that I'm going to write about this interview. So you can all find that on the website, langbunner.com then on the top menu there is a a button that says podcast you just click there then you click on the episode with silver all the information is there silver thank you very much for the interview and uh, yeah thank you very much jan thanks for inviting want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events then go to our website langpreneur.com thanks for listening and see you in the next episode